0: Thanks for joining us here today at Emmanuel where we're one church with multiple locations. In a few
1: moments, you're gonna hear practical teaching from God's word that we hope is relevant and inspiring to your life. If this service blesses you and you'd like to give financially, you can go to eclife.org, click give and choose online viewer as your campus. Thank you
0: and get ready for a life changing message. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today, church? It is a joy to be with you here today. Hey, first and foremost, if you're a first time guest, uh, we want to welcome you. My name is Danny and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And we hope your experience thus far has, uh, has been a good one. Uh, we know that you've been invited because someone in your life loves you, cares about you and wants you to experience abundant life and eternal life. And so we hope that, uh, that today you can take a step closer to that. And I also want to welcome our online guests real quick. Can we give it up for all those watching online? We welcome you. Appreciate what, what you do each and every week by tuning in. We hope, hope uh, today's message is a blessing to you as well. Um, hey. Uh, Again, if you are first time a guest uh, with us here today, we want to bring something up that we we try to talk about as often as we can. But we are a multi-site church. And what that simply means is that we are one church with multiple locations. So we have the Greenwood campus here. We also have a a campus in the Perry Meridian area called the Banta campus. We also have a campus meeting in the old Franklin High School, which is the current Franklin Middle School. And so we have three locations and uh, we're currently working on building a permanent site for our Franklin campus. Uh, Some of you may know we uh, were able to attain 14 acres last year. And I just want to let you know that the machines to move the dirt and start the construction have shown up. In fact, we started moving dirt last week. I have a few pictures for you here real quick. There's a big, giant earth-moving machine back there moving some dirt. And then we also have a picture of a big hole that they're digging. So it's very exciting. It doesn't look like a church yet, but there will be a church building right there on that 14 acres. That's over by Hillview Golf Course in, in the Franklin area. In fact, you can see the golf course from the campus. So if I go preach over there live, I could get done preaching and then just go play 18 holes. That sounds like fun. Anyway, not right now. It's kind of cold outside, but... Very exciting time. So if you have been faithfully giving to the Franklin property, our our multi-site fund, I wanna thank you, please continue to do that. Um, It's it's just such a huge blessing uh, to be able to be part of what God is doing. Isn't that exciting, church? I just think that's so exciting. Okay, so right now we're in a series called The Gift, and it's our Christmas series. We do one every single year, and we just try to focus in on, on what's going on with Christmas and what's it all about. And what we said in this series is that uh, this series is about the greatest gift given to anyone, anywhere, at any time in history. It's the gift of eternal life. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many you know that verse? John 316 right it's all about god giving us this thing called eternal life and unfortunately it's been, eternal life has been reduced down to going to heaven when you die and at, at our church we try to we try to you know, expand on that a little bit, help people understand that that's not all that eternal life really is. Yes, it includes going to heaven when we die. I mean, wouldn't you rather go there than the other place? Yes or no, right? So we're, 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 we're excited about that. In fact, we talked a little bit about that last week. But we're also excited about what Jesus brings and what he offers to us in this life. And that is a life of joy, and that is a life of peace, and that's a life of hope, and that's a life of meaning and purpose, and understanding your, that your value and your identity comes from what God says about you and not what the world says about you. And, and so there's so, so much goodness and, and richness that we can experience right now. And, uh, and what's amazing to me is that even though that gift has been offered to literally billions and billions of people all across the world, uh, it's been passed over by so many. They've simply said no thank you to the gift. And, and, and what we've been saying in this series is that the reason, or the main reason I believe that people have passed over the gift is because they don't understand the context within which it was given. They don't understand the darkness in our world today. The darkness in their own heart, or the darkness that they see manifested in, you know, in our world today. Or they, they, they are in denial of the darkness. Or, I said this last night, they like the darkness. That's a different perspective. See, this is what Jesus said in in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the, say it with me, the light of the world. If a person should follow me, that's a big if, if a person should follow me, trust in me, obey me, put their faith in me, you won't have to walk in darkness. See, Jesus is assuming that you and I see the darkness in our own heart and in the world, and he's assuming that we want out of that. He's assuming that we have come to the conclusion that it's, it's not a good thing to remain in, gar- in darkness. So he, he's coming as a solution to a problem, like Christmas is a solution to the problem of darkness in our world today, both internally and externally. But if we, if we don't see the darkness, or if we like the darkness, or if we're in denial of the darkness, then, then Christmas has nothing to offer us, and Jesus has nof- nothing to offer us, and so therefore many people just pass over the gift. He says, I'm the light of the world. If you should follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light that leads to, say it with me, life. That's eternal life. That's John three sixteen stuff. That's Zoe. That's spiritual life. That's life the way it was meant to be lived. Eternal life and abundant life, a different quality of life. But if you understand the darkness and you see it inside of you and in the world, you will run towards light because the light only has value if you understand that you're living in darkness. Do you agree? Yes or no? And so that's what this real series is all about. Christmas is the gift of light. And last week we talked about the gift of hope, that that it's the light of hope. And the first week we talked about the light being the light of joy. This pushes out the darkness in our lives. And so today I just want to start that conversation or continue that conversation. Let me begin this way if you're a note taker. Here's what I've just noticed in the world today. You're probably like, duh, that's, yeah, I've noticed it too. It's not that big of an insight. But many people consistently struggle with worry. I just watch that all the time. Just worry. When I say worry, I also mean fear, anxiety, fretting. I saw a study the other day that said 40 million Americans consistently struggle with worry in their life. That's 18% of the population. It's fretting, and fearful, ha- anxious about life. I saw one statistic on a, on a website called reallyworried.com. <laughs> that the average American worries two hours and 15 minutes every day. That's six and a half years of your life. I saw something the other day about millennials. Millennials were born between 1980 and 2000, that generation. They worry four hours a day, for for whatever reason. Four hours a day, that's 63 solid days a year of just straight up fretting, worrying, anxious about life. I went on the Mayo Clinic's website and looked at the, the consequences of worry. It's not, it's not a pretty thing. Scientifically, worry is connected to, ready ready for this? Shrinking brain mass. not that exciting? is <laughs> a smaller brain, you know? Like, I look at my dog all the time, like, dude, your brain is so small. Like, you bark every day, all day at the same stuff. Like, when are you going to learn? That's what happens when we worry. Small brain, you know? This one's fun. Lower IQ, right? Anybody want to get stupid? Just worry. It's a sure path to stupidity. I like this one. Premature aging. We try to stay young. We try to just go ahead and worry. Two and a half hours a day. Some of you up to four hours a day. You know, hair's falling out, wrinkles showing up. Premature aging. Problems at work. Heart disease. That's a fun one depression, social isolation, which leads to loneliness. These are all scientifically linked to worry and fretting and wo- uh, fear and anxiety. This one's fun, digestive problems. Down down below, a lot of rumbling, a lot of move- movement or lack of movement. <laughs> Anybody been there? <laughs> Sleep problems, cancer suicidal thoughts. Unbelievable. You know, like, I was talking backstage with one of our musicians with the beard. They all have beards, but (laughs) uh, it's like a thing to be on the worship team. You gotta have a beard. Anyway, if you're a guy. (laughs) We were talking last backstage, and and, uh, he actually said this to me. It was so good. He didn't even know what I was going to say in the sermon last night, and and he, he said, you know what? God did not design our bodies for worry. He was exactly right. Like it, it literally crushes us emotionally, physically, spiritually fear, worry, anxiety. But yet it's such a common thing for us. You know what I've noticed when I talk to people about worry? They, people, most people literally believe there's just nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I know. I'm, here, here's, what, here's what a lot of moms say. Okay, mom's not picking on you because you're awesome. But here's what a lot of moms say I know I shouldn't worry. I do anyway. Like if you were in my shoes, you know, it's like, it's like almost like something that, that just happens to you and there's nothing you can do about it. But it's just not true. We can do a lot about worry. Jesus said a lot about worry. See, I believe that in your notes there, a, a disturbed soul or, or a soul that is filled with worry and fear and anxiety is, is actually a condition that is created by how we respond how I respond, how you respond to life's experiences. That's where it comes from. It's a condition that's created by us. It's not what happens to us. You've probably heard this said. It's not what happens to us that matters. It's how we respond to what happens to us. Do you agree? Yes or no? See, that puts us in the seat of responsibility. Like, this is my issue. Like, like the worry has come up because of, of how I've responded to The trigger events of life, and that's usually where it comes from. These trigger events. Something small, something big happens. Some people get worried and fearful just because they have to go to work in the morning. Small issue. Happens every day. Just because they, some people get filled with fear and worry because they have to go into a social situation. They're going to have to talk to people they've never met before. You know, maybe they call it social anxiety or something like that. Some people get worried over very small things. It's finals week. We just, a lot of students in the room today, college students, and, you know, the finals, just the fact that you have to take a couple of tests has produced enormous amounts of fear and worry in your life. Small things, and then, and then there's some bigger things, like, I don't know, say a bankruptcy or a huge financial pressure in your life, and the bigger trigger event has caused some worry. Sometimes the spouse cheats and you catch them or you catch her and you feel betrayed, and, and now, you're, now you're worried, will it ever happen again, right? So now you have the worry. I, I was talking to a lady several years ago, she was in a huge car accident, she survived, but she would never get behind the wheel again. It was amazing, the fear and the worry that, that was triggered by the car accident. It, it changed her forever, and I tried to help her work through some of that fear and some of that worry so she can get back to normal living. Some of you have been betrayed before by a friend or a spouse or someone you were in a relationship with. And therefore, you're always worried about the next relationship. Is she going to do the same thing that my ex-girlfriend did or my ex-wife did or my ex-husband did? That's, that's where fear comes from. It kind of works like this. There's a trigger event. Something happens, big or small. And what happens inside of us, inside of me and inside of you, our mind goes to this place and creates this, this scenario in our mind and then we believe that scenario and then the emotion of fear and worry follows that thought. I'll give you an example. If you've got children, this, this is pretty common, especially if they're in their you know middle school, high school. Your son comes home, he fails the math test. It's not good, is it? You agree? You don't want your kids to fail math tests. And then all of a sudden your mind goes, well he's gonna probably fail again and fail again and they'll probably fail in high school and maybe he'll even drop out of high school and then he'll get the fast food job and then he'll fail at that and then he'll be in my basement (laughs) and then he'll meet a girl online and he'll marry her and he'll fail at the marriage but they'll have had a kid and then he'll fail at the parenting thing and oh my gosh what am I going to do? Where did all that come from? It came from a math test. <laughs> Think about that. I wish I were exaggerating. I wish I was. I'm not. What happens is there's a trigger event. There's a failure in the math test, and your brain goes here and here and here and here and here, it creates all these scenarios. I love what Mark Twain said. This tickled me. I've suffered a great many catastrophes in my life. Most of them never <laughs> happened. That's <laughs> what we do. Like there's, there's a trigger event. We create all these scenarios and then we believe that they're going to happen. And then what happens? Where's, what happens inside of us? Worry comes up and fear comes up. And if you have children, this is, this is common. You know, And I know some of you here today say, you know what? That's so true. I do that. I have worry every day. I don't know if it's two hours or four hours or 30 minutes. I don't know what it is, but I have it. I would love to get rid of it. How do I do it? And, and that's what Christmas is all about. Honestly, Christmas is not a holiday. It's a solution to the problem. Like It pushes out the darkness of fear and worry and anxiety if we would follow him. See, in, in your notes there, what, what, I, what I've been trying to say is that the gift of Christmas is the light of peace. It's, it's it's light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness of worry and fear and anxiety. I will, I will bring peace into your life and it will push that garbage out. 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet Isaiah was writing. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, Isaiah wrote this. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Watch this. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This child comes into the world. He's born from, from his mother Mary. And she takes him and she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she places him in the manger. And really what, really what she placed in the manger was peace. Like the baby is peace. Like Jesus is Peace. In fact, when, when Jesus was born that day, there, there were some angels that showed up in the field, a whole host of them, and they surrounded these poor shepherds who were probably scared out of their minds. And in Luke chapter two, in the Christmas story, verse 14, listen to what the angels say, glory to God in the highest and peace. Come on, a little bit with more passion, a little bit, yeah. So this is like what the whole deal is about peace. Like the angel said, look, the, like this baby, is peace. Like he brings peace. Like when he was born, he brought peace into the world. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And of course, those who please God are those who choose to follow and trust and put their faith in the child in the baby. When Jesus was getting ready to leave and, you know, he knew he was going to die on the cross and he knew he would rise again three days later and he knew that he would then after rising from the dead he would leave the earth he was trying to prepare his disciples in Luke I'm sorry in John chapter 14 and he says some things to help them recover from this departure because they were with him for three years and they developed these, these intimate relationships and so watch what he says in Luke 14 verse 27 he says peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it. See, the world offers us a, a version of peace, whether that's through financial security or, or you know, protection or alarm systems or cameras for your house. That's a big deal right now. You know, the, the, the world has different solutions to, to bring about some sort of peace in our lives. Jesus says, I have a different type of peace. I don't give it to you as the world gives it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. They're going to have reason. There's going to be some trigger events, one of which is Jesus's departure from the earth. And so I want you to have peace when these trigger events take place. Interesting idea behind this word peace. I was struggling with it because it's, it just seems so, the idea of peace just seems so vague to me. Anybody else? Like, oh, but what is it? Like, how, like What does it actually mean to to be at peace, to have inner peace in my life? And so I looked up this this word peace, what Jesus was saying. It's the Greek word arene. It simply means to, to be at rest or to have quietness within. But it doesn't just mean that. It also means this, when all the essential parts are joined together into a whole. Think about that. Arene. Jesus says, I give you arene. I'm leaving you with arene. What is that? All of the essential parts working together as a whole. Think of an orchestra. When all the parts and all the musical instruments in an orchestra are working together, what does it produce? It produces a beautiful sound. Or you could say it produces peace. Or think of the human body. When all of the essential parts of the human body are working together. Eyes, ears, hands, feet. Blood, circulatory system, skeletal system, nervous system. And when, all, when it's all working together, a human being is capable of amazing things. Peace. You know, as a human being, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have different parts to your unseen parts. What I'm talking about is your internal parts, not your physical parts. You have inside of you, you have a, your thought life, your mind, your ideas. We think, you know, here, right? There's also your feelings and your emotions. Right, we're, we're, we're feeling oriented people. We feel certain things, we have moods, we feel excited, we feel sad, right? We have our mind, we have our feelings and our emotions, and then we have our will. Now the will is interesting, it's the, it's the place where we make our choices, we spring into action from our will. What's interesting about our will is that our will is shaped by our thoughts and our emotions. In other words, we cannot choose without being informed by our emotions and our thought life. Think about that. All of your decisions are shaped and rooted in your thoughts and emotions. And then there's your body. All of this is housed within the body and the five senses and the five senses, tasting, smelling, thirsting, all these different things, hearing, seeing, they influence the internal parts, the unseen parts. So if a person is lacking peace, what's, what's really going on inside of them is their, their mind is, is shooting this direction and their feelings and emotions are shooting this direction and their choices are totally out of whack and there's no peace internally. Jesus says, here's what I've come to do. I've come, I've come to bring all of that stuff, the mind and the emotions and the will and the body and the choices, I've come to bring it all back into harmony. So that your soul your in your interior being can be aligned with my will and my heart think about what jesus said in the number one commandment he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength basically he's saying i want you to take your entire being and bring it underneath my leadership and that's where peace comes from Isn't that incredible arena see when we when we described a disturbed soul earlier, what we described is a person that is basically responding to life's events in the wrong way. We create a scenario with our mind and then we start to feel this thing called worry and we're basically torn apart of the inside. And in our world today, when we feel that, when we sense that, what happens is we try to get relief, don't we? We want peace. Like the soul is created for peace. It's not created for worry. It destroys us. And so we seek it. And in our world today, what, what do we do? We, we, we look for solutions. And so we'll turn to alcohol for some relief internally. And we'll, we'll try to drink it away. And that doesn't really work because after the, you know, the couple of hours of drinking wears off, you know, your problems are still there, right? And you have a hangover. <laughs> so it's like, and some people turn to drugs. Just to, for what? For what reason? To, to try to fix the mind and the will and the emotions and all that's going on internally. You Try to get some relief. And we know that doesn't work. But that's a huge problem in our society today. People turn into drugs. And then some people, instead of turning to drugs or alcohol, they turn to food. And food becomes an issue. It's like, you know, if, if, if all else fails, at least I can go to the refrigerator. <laughs> and, and something will t- taste good. You know, we have a, we have a phrase for this. You know, it's, it's a, it starts with a C, you know, a certain type of food. Anybody know what it is? It's comfort foods. Yeah, see that? Have you heard that, no? Am I the only one? Okay. It's just, we just, we not, when we feel that inner turmoil, we just, we just turn we just go to the refrigerator. Some people go to the gym. They don't know how to fix what's going on on the inside, so they go work out. <laughs> or they go run. And I'm not against working out, and I love it, and all that stuff, but, it, but some people go there because they lack inner peace. And some people just go back to work. They don't know what else to do. They don't wanna get drunk, they don't wanna get high, they don't wanna do it, you know anything that will hurt their body, so they just go work more. And so you become a workaholic, why? Because you don't, you're running away from the inner turmoil. If like the soul, your soul, my soul, longs to be put back together. So, how do we do it? Like, what does this baby offer us? What, is, what does Jesus offer us for peace? I'm gonna give you two thoughts, so we'll wrap up. These are action steps. If you want inner peace in your life, you have to replace the thoughts that are creating worry with thoughts that are creating peace. You have to replace thoughts that are producing worry with thoughts that will produce peace. Remember what happened. There's a trigger event and your mind creates, just shoots off and creates this scenario. I was talking to a friend of mine before uh, this weekend and he had a two and a half year old son. He said, my son bit me on the finger and I thought when he grows up, he's going to jail. (laughs) That's what he said, that's what he said. No, I'm not even lying. Two and a half years old. See how that worked? So the trigger event was my son's a biter, okay, and, 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 he's gonna, and then my brain goes he's gonna get locked up one day. See, so, so what I have to do is I have to practice some mental discipline here. I have to replace those thoughts of producing worry with thoughts that produce peace. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He said this, if you abide or if you stay or if you stay connected to my word. Now, at this particular time, we didn't have the written Bible when Jesus was speaking. So when he's talking about his word, he's talking about his phrases, his sayings, his sermons, his ideas, the truth he was teaching at that time. He says, if you stay in it, my, my thoughts, if my thoughts stay in you, you'll truly be my methetes, my disciples, my students. And then you will know, let's say it with me, the truth. And then the truth will do something to you. It'll set you free. And what, what is Jesus talking about here? This is a massive idea. What is truth? Truth about what? Jesus says, look, when I'm presenting to you, when I get up and give a sermon, I'm presenting to you a set of ideas of how to live and what life is like and what God is like. If you stay in those ideas, you will come to knowledge of what? Truth, but what is truth? Truth is reality. Like how the universe works and how it works when someone offends you, and and if bitterness or forgiveness is better, and how things work with money, and how things work with sex, and like what Jesus taught, he taught about reality, taught about truth. He said, if you will stay in the truth about reality, then you will be set free from what? Worry and fear. Because you'll know about reality and your brain will stop getting off into these other areas that are not reality, like your kid going to jail because he bit you. Or because your kid failed a math test, he's gonna be in your basement. See how that works? Like when you get your brain focused in on reality, you'll be set free from fear and worry. This is what I was trying to do with that lady who would never get behind a car again to drive. Like her brain was, was focused in on the fact that the accident was going to happen again. Therefore, I'm not getting behind that wheel again. See? That's just simply not the truth. It's not reality. But when our brain gets captioned on our, our on ideas that are false or not real, then we, we remain trapped in the darkness of fear and worry. Is this making any sense? I love Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have they who love your law, or your truth nothing will make them stumble not just a little bit of peace but great peace so what am i talking about I'm talking about getting the word of god in your brain i'll give you a couple of thoughts that that, that flow through my brain every, pretty consistently it wouldn't say every day but pretty much every day james 1 2 through 4 says this count it all joy brothers and sisters when You fall into all different types of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect that you can be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Another one is Romans 8, 28. It simply says that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Another one is Psalm 56, verse 3. It says this, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Another one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, it's so powerful. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of self-discipline. Another one is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. This is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path smooth and straight. I could keep quoting if you would like, but that's not the point. The point is that why are those ideas in my head? Because here's why. Because if we can go back to John chapter eight, this is what Jesus said here. If you abide in my teachings, you'll know about reality. And when you know about reality, then you'll be set free from fear and worry. I don't memorize those Bible verses because it's my job. I memorize those Bible verses because I wanna live free from worry and fear. Does that make sense? Anybody getting this? See, some of you want to be free from worry and fear, but you're not willing to put in the work that it takes. Somebody said to me one time, I can't memorize scripture. And I say, oh yeah, what's your phone number? And they rattle it off. What's your address? And they rattle it off. And I, see, we memorize things when we need to. Say, I need to. You need to. So I will get James 1, 2 through 4 in my head. I will get Romans 8, 28 in my head. I will get Psalm 56, verse 3 in my head. I will get 2 Timothy 1, 7 in my head. I will just get him. Why? Because I need to. See how that works? And you need to as well. If you want to be set free from fear and worry. Let me give you the second idea. That's number one, replace those thoughts that are producing fear and worry with thoughts that will produce peace. Number two, let Jesus carry the load. Let him carry the load. You weren't designed to carry the load. You weren't designed to go through this life alone. You were designed to go through this life with Jesus. Like that's why he came into the world. He didn't just come into the world so you can go to heaven when you die. He came into the world right now so he would live with you. Listen to his invitation in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, believe in me, trust in me, open the door, let me into your life. Drink some. He said one time, drink. One time he said, eat of me. I'm the bread of life. Come to me, all of you who are tired and heavy laden. <laughs> and I will give you, what's it say? Rest. I'm not going to give you vacation. Okay. That's not what Jesus means. Okay. Now we're not going to Jamaica. Now there's nothing wrong with going to Jamaica or somewhere else, but that's not the type of rest he's talking about. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Watch this. Take my yoke Now, a yoke was simply a tool that brought two oxen together so that they could walk together in a straight line and not veer off, and they could also accomplish more together than one could accomplish alone. Jesus says, come to me, be yoked up with me, and learn from me. Interesting idea behind this word learn. It's the same word in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Disciple, mathete, learn from me, be my student, Like, learn how I live this life. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Like, learn how I went through this life. Come underneath me and take my teachings and study them. And when you do that, you'll find what? Rest for your souls. Then Jesus finishes by saying this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a yoke. There is a burden to following Jesus. But it's nothing compared to the yoke of doing things by yourself. And many of you are trying to do things by yourself in your own strength, and that's why you're burdened with worry, you're burdened with fear, you're burdened with anxiety, you'd love to get rid of it, you're popping pills to try to get rid of it, and Jesus gives us the solution. He says, come yoke up with me, be my student. Let me pull the load. Like, you weren't designed to go through this life alone. Will you just just let me carry the load? And so what I've tried to do with my life and it's imperfect <laughs> and I mess it up, is to simply start each day by saying, Jesus, you know what? It's a lot going on today. I got to preach this sermon, do this deal. We've got stuff going on in Franklin. have got all these different stuff, people hurting, Marriages falling apart, you know, all these different things going on. Uh, I'm gonna stress out and quit if I try to do this on my own. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let you carry the load. I'm gonna let you do the deal because I'm not smart enough, strong enough, wise enough to do it by myself. And so then I get in the yoke with Jesus and we just walk together into every situation, including this one right now. Does that make sense? His burden is easy and his yoke is light. He's not trying to give you peace by sending you on a vacation. He's trying to give you peace by being with you in this life right now. But you have to follow him. You have to trust him. The ball is in your court. Will you replace thoughts that produce fear and worry with thoughts that produce peace? Let's go take some work. You gotta put in the work, the mental work to do that. And then are you gonna trust him to carry the load? If you do, you will find a reine. the parts, the will, the mind, the emotions will begin to come back together and produce peace inside. Let me close with a question. I love questions. Take this with you today. Do you have peace today? And if you could say, no, I don't, I'm, I'm fretting, I'm worried, small things, big things, trigger events, my mind starts going. Could it be because you're letting, you're letting thoughts flow into your mind, unchecked? Just, they, just, they just pop in, you don't even bother to see if they're true or not. Could it be because you have not abided in God's word? Could it be because you don't know the truth about reality? Could it be because you're trying to go through this life all by yourself? I would say yes to all of those. But it doesn't have to be that way. You were not designed to live with fear and worry. You can take a step today and trust him. Can I pray for you? wrap up. Father, we come to you for you today. Jesus, Holy Spirit, you've, you've brought Jesus into this world the source of peace, the light of peace. Jesus, today I I pray for people right now that are considering, trusting you, following you, doing the the work of, of, of abiding in your word so that they could come to the knowledge of the truth which would set them free. And Jesus, I just pray right now that you would help people make that decision, move into that decision, and move in the direction of peace. May your light flood our lives and push out the darkness of worry, fear, and anxiety. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.
1: Amen. You know, it's a a powerful name. It's a beautiful name. And it's amazing just to sing those words, you know, this time of the year where where we celebrate the coming of the gift and the, the birth of Jesus, our Savior. But I, for one, am glad that the story didn't end there. Anybody else? The story did not end at Christmas. You see, he would live a life, a sinless life, and he would show us a path and a way in which to live this life before us. And Danny shared with what some of that can look like for us, but. You see, we believe that sinless, li- the sinless life ended, it ended on a cross. You see, Jesus would, would be murdered and laid upon a cross and he would die. He would be placed in a grave and three days later, he would rise out of that grave. But why? Why would that be necessary? Why, why is that part of our story? And in Romans chapter 5... We're told why. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You see, that resurrection is a a new beginning, a new start for those of us who place our trust and our faith in him. And so maybe today is a day where you ready to take a step of trust. I mean, this whole Christmas story and this abundant life thing is something you haven't yet tasted. And I'm here to tell you it's as simple as beginning a conversation with God. And so today, if you're in a place where you want to feel that reconciliation, that peace with God, which means a, a reunification in a relationship with Him, I urge you to take that step today. I'm gonna lift up some words and and if you wanna use my words, they're absolutely yours. But maybe for you, it's just using this time to start that conversation with God. And if you're ready to do that, I just ask you to join me in prayer. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, I come to you today taking one first step of trust. With a little bit of faith that I have, I reach out to you I know that the penalty that you paid was supposed to be mine. So Jesus, I ask that the gift of forgiveness that you provide for me, I I ask you to forgive me for the sins that I have committed against you and your law and what you expect out of me, but also against those in my life. And as you cover me in that forgiveness and, and I lift my life to you, help me to step into that yoke with you. Help me to learn your way, your path in this world so that I can see what it looks like to have peace and a reunification and a a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray, amen. Now, for those of you who have taken a step of faith, a step of trust today, I just wanna kickstart a celebration that we all know happens in heaven right now. So can we celebrate those that have taken a step of faith today? When you place your trust in Jesus, it's the beginning of an amazing relationship. It's a journey with ups and downs along the way. But you see, as a church, we don't wanna just leave you there. We would love to get you started to help you take those first couple of steps. And the first thing that we would love to do is put a one-year New Testament in your hands. And to do that, if you're here in our auditorium or at the Greenwood campus, I just wanna encourage you to take a bold step you see, our folks at the starting point tables in the back corners of our auditorium would love to connect with you and get you started on your journey. They'll put one of these in your hands and, and begin a conversation with you. And if you're online, we'd love for you just to check that box and we'll get in touch with you. We'll connect with you as well to make sure we put a one unit testament in your hands no matter where you're watching in the world today. And for even some of us in this room are watching online, we know that this journey has still got some steps for you. Maybe, maybe you're wrestling with the ideas of faith or or maybe you've come into this place with a, a background that's 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 complicated with the church or maybe you've got some some things that you just disagree with when it comes to the foundations of our faith that's okay we want you to know that the seat that you're in is a place for you every single week but we also ask we also ask that if you're in that place that trust us give us give us a chance. Take a bold step as well if you're in that place. Go see our folks at the starting point tables. They would love to connect you with an environment that we call starting point. It's a four-step, I'm sorry, it's a four-week conversational environment. It's a simple environment in which you can wrestle with those ideas, those questions that you have in a place that's safe and welcoming with other people that are in the exact same position that you are. So we want to encourage you, to take that bold step no matter where you are and go back to see our starting point tables.